Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast on Eagle's Wings. Today we want to continue our study in dealing with the teachings of Jesus. In dealing with the teachings of Jesus, I believe that it is the only way that we can know for sure exactly what our Heavenly Father wants us to know about a particular subject. We noted previously what God has said about the authority of Jesus Christ as recorded in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Our Heavenly Father has now spoken to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. If we truly seek to know what God desires for us to understand on any subject, then we must read and study what Jesus has to say about that subject. Not only what he taught during his life on earth, but also what he teaches us through his disciples. It is our plan then in these podcasts to look at the teaching of Jesus on a particular subject. And we want to begin a look at what Jesus taught about both heaven and hell. And so in this podcast, we want to consider what Jesus taught about hell. A lot of people in the world want to know what is going to happen after we die. It is an age-old question and one that still confuses people. Now, part of that confusion comes from a willingness to misunderstand God's Word. When studying the Bible, it is necessary for us to remove any preconceived notions about what we think will happen. We must study God's Word and then learn what He says will happen. Unless we do this, then we will try and mix what we already believe or we will try and dismiss what God's Word clearly teaches because it does not conform to what we already believe. And when that happens, we will not come to the proper conclusion and learning the truth of God's Word. Far too many people want God's Word to be fair. By this they mean that no one is unduly punished and everybody ends up with exactly the same thing. But sadly, this will not be so. This does not mean that God wants everyone to have something different. On the contrary, God does want everyone to have the same result. He wants both you and me to have and enjoy eternal life with him. Peter was inspired to write in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's true desire is that all men should be saved, and this is why the world continues to this day. However, God's will is not to force anyone to do something against their own choice. He has created us as beings with the ability to choose, and although he will do all he can to encourage us to make the right choice, 
he won't stop us from making the wrong choice. And he won't force us to make the right choice. Part of the way God encourages us to make the right choice is by telling us about the rewards in making the right choice that we can spend in eternity with him in heaven. But the other part of the way that God encourages us to make the right choice is by telling us about the consequences of what will happen if we choose to disobey. This is where the concept of hell comes in. Now, the word hell in the English comes from the Greek word Gehenna, and it is described as representing the Old Testament idea of a place called the Valley of Hinnom. Now, the Valley of Hinnom was a place where animal carcasses were taken and burnt, but it also contained human remains for those who practiced idolatry, for those who disobeyed God's will. Now, it was a place located southwest of the city of Jerusalem, and it was a place where there was a constant fire that was never put out because of the need to dispose of these remains of animals or other garbage to be disposed there. And there are references found to it in the Old Testament, such places as 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 6, and also Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 31 and 32. Its meaning then, when used in the New Testament, was a place of never-ending fire and of the destruction of that which was refused. Jesus mentions several times the consequences of those who refuse to obey as suffering in hell. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus warned, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, Jesus warned, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. In Matthew 10, verse 28, Jesus said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Again in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus promised that in building his church, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have a specific promise from our Lord and Savior that no matter what happens, the church will not have to fear being destroyed in or by hell. And then, of course, in Matthew 25, when Jesus speaks of the final judgment, although hell is not mentioned by name, it is certainly referred to by its description. Jesus said to those who did not obey him and were placed on the left side as those representing the goats. In verse 41, he said, 
Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In verse 46, he went on to say that those who were sent away from his presence would go into a place of everlasting punishment. Jesus said that he came to keep us from going to hell. In Luke's gospel, there is an account found in Luke 13 where individuals in speaking to Jesus asked him what he thought about those Galileans who it was recorded had their blood mingled by Pilate with his daily sacrifices. Now it's possible that this was a backhanded way of trying to insult Jesus, seeing that he was from Galilee. Or it simply might have been a way for those present to suggest that being from Galilee meant that you were really worse than others. But here was how Jesus responded in Luke 13 verses 2 and 3. He said, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus was not saying that these ones would have their blood likewise mingled with Pilate's sacrifices, but that they would die and cease to exist if they did not repent. They would be separated from the living and put into a place where they would perish, where they would cease to have an existence. He's talking about hell. And he's trying to warn them that now is the time to avoid it by recognizing our sins and repenting of them, or else we would be cast into a place where we would cease to exist from the presence of God. Jesus taught that hell is a place that is without comfort. How foolish it is to hear some, when they are warned about going to hell, to say something to the effect that, well, at least they'll be there with their friends. How is being in pain and torment with others any form of comfort, any form of compassion? Now, if you were in a cancer ward in a hospital and knew that there were many others there enduring the same pain as you were, would you gain any comfort from that? Could you say, why, yes, I feel better knowing that there are others having the same pain that I am? No, nobody would say such a thing. Why then think that just because hell will be populated with many of the same type of people, those who sin in, against God and refuse to repent, that somehow that would provide comfort? As we noted previously in talking about heaven, as recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, Lazarus was comforted, it says in verse 25, but the rich man was tormented. No, there is no comfort in hell and no hope of any in the future. God is clear to let us know that such a place is not one that any would want to go to, nor should it be said that we'd, we would want even our enemies to inhabit it. What do all these passages then tell us about the place that the Bible calls hell? First, it's a prepared place. God in his infinite wisdom has designed that such a place exists. It is sometimes hard for us to understand how a loving and merciful God could design such a place, but he tells us it is real. 
He prepares it to show us just how angry and sorrowful sin makes him, to help us truly understand the consequence of sinning. It is not just making a mistake or an error in judgment, but sin is that which can cost us our very souls to be separated from God eternally. He wants us to understand it is a place prepared for those who sin and refuse to repent of sin. Jesus believed it was a real place. In teaching about the consequences of the choices we make, Jesus warned that for some they would be going to hell. When he mentions it, that it is better to lose a limb than to go to hell whole body, he's telling us that we can make choices now that will affect where we end up in eternity. That some sacrifices need to be made now as to how we live, that we should give up certain things, that we should discipline ourselves so that we can avoid going to hell. Of what good would it do someone to have their own way now and then lose everything by going to hell? Jesus taught his disciples that hell is real. He not only believed it, but wanted others to fully understand. When we know something is real, we act upon it. Believing that hell is real and being warned to live in such a way as to avoid it is important. Jesus didn't want his disciples or anyone to misunderstand the importance of the life we have now and the consequences of misusing that life by disobeying God and ending up in hell. Jesus taught that hell is going to be painful. It's described as a place of burning, a place of torment, a place, Jesus said, where the worm dieth not. And all these things we understand, it's not a place that anyone would want to be found in. Fire is something we all understand. We know what it can do. It is destructive and it consumes. Being burned is not pleasant. It is painful. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, warns us to fully understand hell is not a place that any would want to be found in, even for a moment. And finally, Jesus taught that being in hell, there will be no relief. Sometimes folks are heard to say that they're not afraid of going to hell. And yet, Jesus said, it's a painful place where the worm dies not. He spoke of it as a continuing painful place. No medicine, no comfort for all eternity. We are limited in this life to a span of 80 or possibly 100 years. We know people who die young. We know those who live to a ripe old age. But we're still limited in our perspective to a particular time span. We may study history and go back 200 years or even 1,000 years, but that is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. And Jesus warns us that punishment in hell will be eternal. As the Son of God, as with the Father in creation, Jesus knows all things. He knows both heaven and hell. He knows they are real, and he taught them as such. He taught his disciples to be warned about hell and to live in preparation a life that is ready for heaven. And they believed what he taught, and they taught it to others. And so now knowing this, what will you do? Will you believe that heaven exists and obey the gospel of Christ so that you can go there? Or will you refuse the gospel? And in living a life that refuses the gospel, in effect, prepare yourself for hell. Why would you do that when you can avoid it? But whatever choice you make, 
the way you live today will have a great effect on where you spend eternity. Why not obey God's word, prepare yourself for heaven, and avoid hell? This is Jim Walsh. Thank you for listening to On Eagle's Wings.